0: Thank you for that introduction, and thank you, President Sharp. It is an honor to deliver this congressional response to the annual State of Indian Nations address. As the senior senator from Massachusetts, I have the privilege of serving the Wampanoag tribe of Gay Head Aquinnah and the Mashpee Wampanoag tribe in the United States Senate, and I am deeply grateful for their partnership. But I recognize that as members of the United States Congress, my colleagues and I have profound responsibilities to all tribal nations. Responsibilities that are intertwined with the United States nation to nation relationship with each tribal nation. Trust and treaty responsibilities that arise from how the United States took so much from native people over the course of generations. The nation-to-nation relationship between the United States and tribal nations is deeply important, and I am grateful to the National Congress of American Indians for all its work to enhance that relationship, including through dialogues like this one. President Sharp said clearly in her address that the state of Indian nations is strong and that Indian country has made incredible progress in recent years. I fully agree, and I view it as Congress's job to make it even stronger and to play a role in helping tribal nations make even more incredible progress. So to all of you who demand the federal government do that, thank you to tribal leaders and advocates who came from near and far to advocate for advance appropriations for the Indian Health Service, or expanding tribal jurisdiction in the reauthorization of the Violence Against Women Act, or protecting tribal lands, waters, and sacred sites from pipelines or mining, or for the establishment of an Office of Tribal Affairs at the Treasury Department, or for so many other important causes, let me say it again, thank you. And to all of you hard at work revitalizing your languages, Whether it's those who are part of the Wampanoag Language Reclamation Project in Mashpee, Massachusetts, or those at the Cherokee Nation Durban Feeling Language Center that opened last year, or those sharing your languages with your youngest at home, I also want to say thank you. And to those of you who are teaching Native young people, whether it's at Navajo Technical Institute or at the Choctaw Nation Head Start that I had the chance to visit a few years back, or at any of the other hundreds of places of learning, I want to say again, thank you. And to those of you who take time to educate us in Congress about our responsibilities, about how empowering tribal nations, upholding tribal sovereignty, and furthering tribal self-determination are the surest route to prosperity in Indian country, again, I say thank you. Five years ago, I had the honor of speaking at NCAI's Executive Council winter session. And in my speech, I made a promise. I promised to fight to help write a story that overcomes the discrimination, the neglect, the greed, and the violence that Indian country so often faced as a result of the way that the United States has treated native peoples. And since that time, I've worked hard to make good on that promise. I've co-sponsored well over 100 pieces of legislation to benefit Indian country, and I myself have introduced dozens of bills in support of tribal nations. My bills have a wide range. They go from legislation to revoke the medals of honor awarded to the perpetrators of the Wounded Knee Massacre to efforts to ensure that tribal nations have ownership of electromagnetic spectrum over their lands, to bills to ensure that child abuse prevention funds and housing funds and public health grants all reach Indian country. And with your help, we've seen tremendous progress. One of my bills, the Native American Suicide Prevention Act, which required states to work with tribal nations when allocating funding for suicide prevention programs, was signed into law at the end of the last administration. And in December, President Biden signed into law my bill to ensure that tribal nations can directly access the federal stockpile of emergency medical supplies. But here is the most important thing. I could not have done that work without you. I could not have done it without the input, the guidance, the education and the wisdom from NCAI and from tribal leaders and advocates from every corner of the United States. And I know that the same goes for many of my colleagues here in Congress. We can't do our jobs. We can't work toward fulfilling the federal government's trust and treaty obligations without you. You've been showing up, and it's making a real difference, as President Sharp's address made clear. So please, keep it up, because together, we are building a future worth fighting for. And your ongoing efforts are critical, because there are still obstacles and threats to tribal sovereignty that we must work together to remove. For example, It is beyond time for Congress to pass a clean Karcheri fix. The the Karcheri decision is a roadblock to tribal sovereignty that negatively impacts many tribal nations, including the two federally recognized tribal nations of Massachusetts. By helping to secure tribal homelands, a Karcheri fix would advance tribal sovereignty and would benefit tribal economies. I will work with you to keep up this fight. As President Sharp rightly noted, the Indian Child Welfare Act is imperiled by this Supreme Court. Now, for decades, ICWA has been crucial in protecting the best interests of Native children, of their families, and of their communities. And it shouldn't even be a question. ICWA is clearly constitutional. I know many of your nations have submitted amicus briefs to defend ICWA, and I have joined in two of those briefs as well. If the Supreme Court overturns this law, It will be more important than ever to protect Native children and to stand up for tribal sovereignty. So I want you to know that I am right there with you on this. Even as Native children face new threats, the United States still has not reckoned with its shameful history of cultural genocide and assimilation practices through its Indian boarding school policies. And that is why I have worked with my dear friend, Secretary Deb Holland, back when she was still in Congress, and with wonderful advocates to introduce a bill to establish a commission to advance healing from the shameful legacy of the Indian boarding schools. Congresswoman Sharice Davids and I reintroduced this bill in the last Congress. Last year, the Senate Committee on Indian Affairs held a hearing on this issue and on my bill, and I want to acknowledge the good bipartisan work that the committee's chair and vice chair, Senators Brian Schatz and Lisa Murkowski, have done to advance Congress's work on this issue. Secretary Holland's launch of the Federal Indian Boarding School Initiative at the Department of Interior. Has also been critical in elevating this issue. In her address, President Sharp highlighted the importance of Native representation across the highest levels of government. And she is absolutely right. I'm a big believer that personnel is policy, and that means representation matters. Secretary Holland, is a perfect example of that but we still have more work to do to get this across the finish line and your advocacy here will make a real difference now president sharp also mentioned my bill the honoring promises to native nations act and if you'll bear with me for a minute i'd like to talk about it too You may remember that the U.S. Commission on Civil Rights published a report in 2018 called Broken Promises. It found that the federal government has woefully underfunded programs for Native peoples in areas of criminal justice and public safety, health care, education, housing, and economic development. And it dedicated a chapter to each of those five topics. The report correctly stated, the United States expects all nations to live up to their treaty obligations. It should live up to its own, end quote. And soon after that, Deb Holland and I decided to take action by developing legislation together. We worked with numerous stakeholders to prepare a legislative proposal for the Honoring Promises to Native Nations Act. And then we incorporated the many great suggestions that Indian Country offered in response. When Secretary Holland moved on to her current job, yay, Congressman Derek Kilmer of Washington State took the baton from her, and he is now my excellent partner. In December, we introduced the Honoring Promises to Native Nations Act, and it has five titles to match the five broken promises chapters. Throughout the bill, we prioritized full funding for federal Native programs. No more shortfalls. And the bill ensures that the funding going to Indian Country is mandatory. Fulfilling trust and treaty obligations is not optional. You know, too often, federal decisions are made for Indian country, not with Indian country. And for that reason, our bill articulates principles to ensure that meaningful and timely tribal consultation is the norm, and it begins to lay out a path to ensure that free, prior informed consent becomes the standard. President Sharp has championed this point for years, and I want to thank her, and I want to thank NCAI for their invaluable assistance with the entire bill. So, although this bill won't become law immediately, I think it's crucial for Congress to have legislation that says unequivocally The United States has broken its promises, and the United States must start making good on them. Now, I will reintroduce the Honoring Promises to Native Nations Act this Congress, and your continued input and partnership will remain indispensable in moving forward. As I look forward to the rest of 2023 and the remainder of the 118th Congress. I'm filled with hope. Hope for all that we can accomplish together. Hope for continued learning, partnership and new opportunities. Hope for the future of Indian country. It has been an honor to speak to you today and I thank you once more for all that you do. Thank you.